Gospel of Luke, in chapter number two, the Gospel of Luke in chapter number two. Gospel of Luke, in chapter number two. Some are thinking, Luke chapter two? Man, doesn't he know Christmas is over? Hey, I ain't, that, I ain't that old. I do. But I believe God has something for us here. I'm pretty excited about it. Luke chapter number 2, look down to verse number 13. Luke 2 and verse number 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all that they, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. <clears throat> but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I think we can see here tonight, and I'm going to try to preach it to you. I've titled the message, A Model for the New Year. A Model for the New Year. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you for your great grace and your mercies that are new every day. I thank you for the strength that you give us just to continue on to try to live a life for you in this lost and dark world. I thank you, Lord, for your guidance in our lives and for everything that you do. And I thank you for the Word of God that we have laying before us in the message, Lord. And I pray, dear God, that you'd just give guidance. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us with this. Lord, we need your power, certainly, the boldness to preach the way you'd have it done, and, and then just, uh, Lord, your spirit to move in this place, uh, that, uh, that you would arrest the attention of the listeners, and Lord, that you would give us something tonight to help us to be more of what we need to be for you. That's our desire, that, uh, that you would do a work that no man can take credit for. Please help us, Lord. Give us that unction. Let us preach tonight, we pray. And thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. <clears throat> Excuse me, and please do be seated. Well, we do have a new year staring us in the face. I mean, it's right around the corner. And we can think of it as a new beginning, a fresh start, a reason to change some of our habits, a, a, a time to start doing better, a better job at something, or however you might want to think about it. Uh, being a better wife, being a better husband, being a better parent, being a better son, being a better daughter. 
or maybe you want to think about losing those extra pounds, which is usually the number one resolution that's made every year. Or maybe it's just that you need to change priorities in your life. You may need to make better use of your time and that list. Anyway, just go on and on and on and on and on about what we might do. We know that New Year's resolutions are made and a lot of them are broken within the first few weeks. Some within the first few days. Then there are those that uh, those people that see no need whatsoever to even make resolutions because of their many, many times to not carry through on the ones that they made in the past. There's just no sense in making any more resolutions. One of the things that uh, we should do at this time is to look back, I think, and to think about the, the past year. What all has happened and what can we, what can we make happen in this coming year that will help us and that will help those that are around us. Because certainly our life should be all about others. Somebody say amen right there. If we're going to be more like Jesus. So maybe we need to ask questions, uh, ask ourselves questions like, uh, how am I doing? Or maybe, uh, where is my life headed? Or what am I doing with the Christian life that has been given me? Have I been a good steward of everything that God has given me in this life? I'm talking about my time, my talent, my treasure. And am I really, really living my life for God through the Lord Jesus Christ? So, so let's think about our text tonight and the model that it can give us for the new year. There, there could be some things here that we need to consider. We know that in the first part of chapter uh, 2, uh, we have the account of the birth of our Savior. And included in that is the account of the shepherds uh, being delivered that very message by the angel of the Lord that the Lord has come. But tonight I want to think about what followed that event. Uh, several of these verses bring praise to our Savior, we know that, but we can also see an example and we can see a challenge. There's a response to His birth by both heaven and by earth, a response that can challenge and encourage our priorities, our attitudes, really our values, and, and even the actions as related to worshiping our God. But we can also be challenged about our, our attitude towards spiritual matters, or even our attitude toward our reasons for living today. The, the way that the shepherds respond, it, it set a precedent. Uh, an example, a, a model, a, a pattern for dealing with the issues that we have in this life. Uh, what we see here can, can teach us how to respond to life in view of our Savior, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the, in, the impact of the news of the birth of Christ was not, only seen by their, was not only seen by their words, but by their actions, the actions of the shepherds and the actions of the angels. And uh, I think we can see some great lessons and some examples uh, for us. And, and get this, the response of the shepherds was due to the news that the angel brought them. Oh, oh come on, preacher. Come on. come on, pastor. If a bunch of angels came and visited me, you know, out there like that, I mean, my life would would probably be a lot different too. Now, now, wait, 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 wait. 
Our text makes it clear that it was not the angels that the shepherds were excited about. It it was the news that they had received from God's messengers that they were excited about. And, and, And never forget this. It is not the, please get this, it is not the miraculous events, events that change us, but it's the Word and the Spirit of God that changes us. Thank God for any miracle that He has done in our life, but that's not what, not, that's not what changes our life. The power of God is in the Gospel. It's in the Word of God. It's not in experience. You can have a lot of experiences and continue to live a life that's not, well, that's less godly than it should be. Let me put it that way. The shepherds responded because of the proclamation of the truth. And that's just another proof of our need to hear the Word of God proclaimed on a regular basis and a need to, as a result of that, to put into practice what we hear and what we know. It's very important not that we don't just hear the Word of God. It's very important that we put into practice what we do hear. And so let's think about heaven's response here. Look at verse 13 again. And it came to pass, as the angels were going away from them into heaven... Uh, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which, which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Once the announcement was made, we see the response um, of, the, of the host of, of angels. We know that this can be a good example for us uh, that have received the wonderful gift of God. He, he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our Adoration. No, I mean, once they made the announcement uh, that, that the babe was going to come, uh, I'm sorry, verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. So they made the announcement that the, the Messiah had come. And then they began to praise God. Well, why were the angels praising God? Well, you think about this. The angels were there when Satan rebelled. The angels were there and they witnessed the fall of man. They were there in both, uh, both those cases. And from that time and from the very first promise of the coming of Messiah in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, they have been very interested in His coming. No, the angels have been very interested in the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of what it would mean to the mess that mankind was in and to the glory of God. No, no, it was going to be a great thing because man had made a mess, but it was also going to bring great glory to God when Jesus Christ did come to this earth. And so they were very interested in those things. So at the announcement of the birth of the Savior, there was an immediate response from the heavenly host. They began to praise God. The nature of the response was an act of adoration. It was an act of praise which can be seen at at least, which, which we can see in at least three different things. It shows Christ as a uh, come on brain. It shows Christ as the supreme gift of God the Father, which manifested God's glory in His holiness and power and love and grace and faithfulness and wisdom and His sovereignty. It 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 it, it showed God as supreme gift. And number two, it focused on the key outcome to mankind because it brought peace to men. It brought peace to men. This peace mentioned certainly includes all the aspects of peace that comes to men through knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We think about the peace of God. That's reconciliation, which is the greatest peace known to man. I said reconciliation with God is the greatest peace known to man. 
And then number two, the peace of God, that fellowship that we can have with God. And number three, the peace that we can have with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, because that's the way that it's supposed to be. And number four, one day that universal peace, which Christ, when Christ comes back to rule and reign on the earth, and we're all looking forward to that time. Amen. That's going to be a wonderful time. So it showed that God meant it for good, for the good of mankind. Because they said goodwill toward men. So the heavenly host had a response. They were pretty excited about it. And then we think about the earth's response. On down 15, verses 15 through 20. We'll visit them a little bit. You know, when God reveals something to us, There's always a demand for an, um, for an adequate response. When God reveals something to us, to us, there is always a demand for an adequate response. Always. Always. Therefore, we become more accountable to God according to what He has spoken to us about. If he's dealt with something about, dealt with us about something, we're accountable to God for that. We, we can't get away from that. So once the angels departed this, the shepherds faced a real responsibility. What were they going to do with what they had just heard? Were they just going to sit there and talk about it? Man, wasn't that something, seeing all the light and they singing and all this great thing? I mean, wasn't that just something? What a miracle. That was just nothing. Were they just going to sit there and talk about how interesting the news was to them, or would they act on it? Would they do something about it? And of course, we know by reading the Scriptures that they chose to act upon it. Once they heard it, they looked at one another and said, hey, let's go. Okay, we didn't say exactly like that, but that's pretty much what it says. They were ready to go, do exactly what they needed to do. Too many times believers sit in services and they hear the Word of God proclaimed, whether it's a, whether, whether it's a new truth, something they never heard before, or, or something that they already knew. And, 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 and if they're listening, and, and, and even, if they're taking, even if they're taking notes, I mean, after they hear it, many times they fail to apply it to their very own lives. They hear it, oh, I knew that already. Or they hear it, oh man, that's really something. But then they fail to apply it. It's tickled their ears a little bit, but it hadn't made any difference in their life. And I'm telling you, people that have sat in church all of their life or a big part of their life and heard truth after truth after truth after truth after truth and know these different truths, they have them in their heart. God has revealed these things to them, but they're not acting upon it. I can promise you, they are not enjoying their Christianity the way that they could. And it's really a shame. Because when we decide to become doers of the Word, not just hearers of the Word, it makes a big difference in our lives. I mean a huge difference in our lives. <clears throat> Much too often we're satisfied with our religious activity. We're satisfied with that. I mean, we came to church, we carried our Bible, we got dressed up, whatever the case may be. I mean, we were there, we were listening. I mean, come on, I mean, we were there, preacher. It's not like we weren't there. And we become, we become satisfied with, that, with our 
our, our religious activity. And, and, and I'm afraid sometimes we even believe that God's impressed with it too. Because after all, God, I mean, we came to church. We sang the songs. I made some notes in my Bible when the preacher was preaching. I mean, isn't that what you want, God? And because of that type of mentality and attitude, believers too often fail to respond and they act upon what they have just heard and they walk away untouched by the message of the Word of God. Now think about what God told Isaiah. Over in Isaiah chapter 66 and verse number 2, the last part of the verse over there says, But to this man will I look, even to him that is, poor, uh, is, of a poor, is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. <clears throat> the, the truths that come out of this book are not just like words that come out of a novel. God left this book here to change our lives and to give us divine direction in everything that we do. In everything that we do. And I'm afraid we get to where we take it way too lightly. And we come Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special services, whatever. Yeah, I'll preach. I'm going to be there every time the doors are open. We leave Sunday morning, and we never think again what, about what we heard Sunday morning. We don't talk to our children about what they heard in Sunday school, or we don't share with them what we heard in Sunday school. We don't talk to our children about the message that was preached Sunday morning, and how we could might apply it to our life and be closer to God and what God would have us to do with those things. Oh, no, no, I'm saying maybe, maybe, come on, we're talking about looking into the new year. Maybe the Sunday morning message needs to be a topic for the family around the lunch table. Maybe some questions need to be asked of the children. Maybe mom or dad need to speak up and tell the children how that message touched their life or what it meant to them. Maybe they can go back to a time when they've heard that truth before and they can, just, they can just revisit that and talk about, man, I remember the first time I really realized that in my own life and how God touched my heart and changed my direction and helped me and strengthened me. I mean, maybe it just needs to be a topic. Come on, what did the message mean to our lives and what can we be doing about that and what should change in our lives because of the message that we heard today? I mean, do we need to be doing something different and how should this affect our relationship with God or, or how should this affect our relationship with one another or how should it affect our priorities and our values and, and how should it affect even those that live around us? I mean, it could be that simply coming and sitting in services hasn't been accomplishing what it could if we would just take a little initiative and think on these things and act upon these things. We see the character of their response. We see what they did. The last part of verse number 15. Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And they were excited. They were excited about it. Oh, come on. It says there, the shepherds said to one another, Come on, after the angels were gone. 
And the shepherd said, well, okay, all right, let me ask you a question. Do you think maybe they had, they, do you think maybe they had, do you think maybe they were a little excited? Uh, uh, do, do you think that excitement probably came out in how they were talking? <laughs> oh, man, wasn't that great? Wow, that's pretty good. Hey, what's for supper? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't think it went that direction whatsoever. Not at all. Do you think it was all talk without any thought of doing anything about it? Look, they, they were excited about what they heard. Uh, okay, uh, uh, look, a couple of things here. It, it shows that they had a heart for God. I mean, no doubt, listen to me, please stay with me. No doubt being shepherds, they understood the significance of sacrificial sheep. Come on, people came to them regularly for these sacrificial sheep. Hey, you got any, you got any sheep that are without spot? Come on, they understood all of this, being, being shepherds. These are Old Testament saints who were looking for the Messiah to come. And they were apparently prepared to respond to this news. I mean, it wasn't like they went, who are those guys talking about? No, 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 no. They, they, they understood this. The book of Matthew in chapter number 7, it tells us that God does not cast His pearls before swine. Those that are incapable of valuing His truth. It, you know, it's very significant that these angels appeared to, to the shepherds and they didn't appear to the chief priests. They didn't appear to the scribe. Oh, no, no, no. They went out there to the shepherds. So here's the principle. We reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. What, what do you mean, preacher? Well, the Bible says, draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you in James chapter 4. Well, I tell you, I just can't seem to get close to God. How much you're in your Bible? How much time do you spend talking to God? I mean, talking to God. We, we want God to do everything. But we reap what we sow. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Man, oh man, I want to be close to God. So we work at that. Or we don't. No, this past year, this year, 2021, we've worked at that or we haven't. We started 2021, man, I want this to be a good spiritual year. I, I want to be closer to God. I, I want to do those things that God would have me to do. But have we? Well, you know, I tell you, I just kind of get, it's, you know, it's hard to make myself come to church sometime. Why do you think that is? I mean, are you excited about the things of God? Are you excited about God Himself? I mean, has God working in your life? Well, God really doesn't seem to be working in my life. Well, you reap what you sow. So, I mean, if you're not... No, no, no. If, if these things aren't happening, if you're not excited, if, if it's not good for you, I mean, what have you been sowing? 
John 7, 17 says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God. So have you been doing God's will? And maybe in 2022, we ought to work harder at it. Uh, think of, okay, think of, think of those along with Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 that says this, Therefore we ought to give the, most, uh, the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Okay. <clears throat> I know that there's people that are sitting in this auditorium right now that have been in church pretty much all their life. And if you've been in church that long, even if you've been in church just 10 years or 5 years and you've been faithful to the house of God, you've heard a lot of things. And really, you know you're knowledgeable of a lot of things. Of what God would have you to do, of what God would have you not to do. Or what you need to be doing on a daily basis. About how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to treat others, how you're supposed to talk, how you're supposed to walk. All these different things. You know these things. How many have you let slip? How many have you not given earnest heed to and let slip? No, it's important for us to think about these things as we go into 2022 because surely, surely we want 2022 to be a better spiritual year than 2021. Now I'm talking about us as individuals. No, I'd love to see it as a church, man. I'd love to see God do, continue to do great things around here. Absolutely so. But we've got to think, look, okay, preacher, what are you getting at, pastor? Just this. Just this. What we are doing during the week, and even on the days of worship, the days we come to the house of God, or in Bible study, what really are we doing to prepare our hearts for the Word of God? What are we doing to prepare ourselves to come to the house of God that we might receive the Word of God the way that we should? What are we doing? I mean, really, have there been times... No, 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 before you... Have there been times of prayer? Have there been times of meditation? Have there been times... Get this. Have there been times of honest confession to God? about failures? Has there been a daily reading of the Bible? Or do, we just, or do we just come into the church house hurried and harried and mumbling and griping and upset and out of sorts? Does it seem like we're more occupied with the world or with business or sports or pleasure or computers or cell phones or cars or even problems in our life rather than with the Savior? Have we really, have we lost our focus? Come on. As people of God, shouldn't we be more concerned about our relationship with God? And if that's so for you, you need to realize that fellowship with God means experiencing, please get this, it means experiencing the living God and having an appreciation for who He is and what He has done and what He is doing in us and for us and to us through Christ. Realizing that God is still at work in your life. There's people that go weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and cannot tell you one thing that God has done in their life. It shouldn't be that way. 
It shouldn't be that way. And if we're looking at it the correct way like that, if we're doing that, shouldn't it cause us to be excited about our life in Christ? And shouldn't it cause us to be excited about what God is doing in our lives? Look, being saved is, being saved is more than just a profession that we have made somewhere. Much more. Come on, being saved is more than just saying, oh yeah, preacher, I know, I can tell you the day that I got saved. Hopefully you can, absolutely so, and you should be able to. But I'm telling you, salvation is much more than that. Or should be, and can be. I know that we have to be careful. I understand that. Living on some religious high all the time, it never should be our focus. Now, I say that again, living on some high all the time, it shouldn't be our focus, it shouldn't be our pursuit, it shouldn't be the basis of our assurance that God is there. No, 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 no. Seeking a high like that does not serve the glory of God and the advancement of His kingdom. Too many times that is simply, that is simply self-serving, we just want this good feeling. And it's not bad to get excited about what God's doing in our life. In fact, it would help some of you. Did I say that out loud? But true spirituality comes to us when we get the mindset of John the Baptist when he said, He must increase, but I must decrease. That's when God can start doing the work that only God can do. And again, it's good. It's good that, that we would be excited about what God has done and is doing in our lives, about the Word of God, about our Savior. I mean, to some extent, no doubt, it, it shows the, the character of our spiritual condition. I, 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 mean, I, mean, I mean, no, 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 to be excited about the things of God. To be excited when we're in the house of God. To some extent, it shows our spiritual condition. What do you mean, preacher? Well, I mean, look how sports fans react when their team does well. They don't just sit there. Okay, I'll move on. Another thing I see about these shepherds is they spoke to each other. Down to the bottom of verse 15, let us go now, even unto Bethlehem. They said to one another. This should remind us of the teaching of the New Testament, which is based on the many one another passages which highlight the needs and responsibilities that we have to one another as members of the bodies of Christ. I, I, I said we, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have needs and we have responsibilities to one another as members of the body of Christ. The Bible says we're to love one another, we're to build up one another, we're to serve one another, we're to encourage one another, and the list goes on and on. You can see it out there in the foyer if you look at all the pictures. How are we to be there for one another as church? And there's a couple of things involved here. With one, number one being this, no man is an island. No one. No, 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 no. We need others. Pardon me. And others need us. We all need the influence and fellowship of the church. And we should each make 
being involved with others in the body of Christ a priority for the new year. I've said this a lot along the way, and I don't mind repeating it, and we'll probably continue to say it, but there shouldn't be cliques in a church. There shouldn't be cliques. We're all part of the body of Christ, which is the church. If you're a member of a local New Testament church, you're a member of that body. You're a part of that body, and we need one another. And we should be reaching out to one another and be there for one another. Absolutely so. But we also need to share Jesus Christ and talk of Him with one another. Okay, understand, while, while, while Jesus and our relationship with Him doesn't necessarily have to be a part of every conversation we have, it should naturally become one of the key subjects because He is at the center of our lives. Come on, talk about our Bible reading. Talk about what God has done in our life. Talk about, I mean, we need to talk about Him along the way, don't we? Sure we do. These, these guys, they exhorted one another. Let us. We need this from others. And others need that from us. Let us get involved in this. Let us get involved in that. Come on, encouraging one another to be involved. Encouraging one another to do something uh, in the church. Encouraging one another to live for God. We need this. We need it. We need it. They had received a message from God. I love this. They had received a message from God and they chose to act upon it by faith. And they said, let us go even unto Bethlehem and see. You know, without, then listen to me, without following biblical direction, people just go with the flow of humanity. Now, if they're not following biblical direction, they're just going with the flow, whatever, you know, how everybody's going, whatever the case may be. And that will never bring, please listen, that will, that will never bring fulfillment, and that will never bring satisfaction that following God can bring. We need to base what we do, and, 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 and what, or even what we're going to do, on the promises of God. So our, our, our goals, our goals should be biblically oriented. So let me ask, what are your goals for the new year? I mean, do you even have any goals for the new year? And if you have goals, do they go beyond self-centered desires? Do, do you really see, do you really have, you searched out and, and, and talked to God and sought God? Do, do, you, do you see your purpose in life? Because God has a purpose for all of us. Come on, it's not like we're on this world without purpose. The shepherd's goal was to see the Christ child. Come on, after they heard the proclamation, their goal was to see the Christ child. It wasn't to watch their sheep, just go back to their job. It wasn't to make converts, stay with me here. It wasn't to write books or preach sermons or raise their kids. As important as all those things can be. But we were created to know and to love God. And without that, there's going to be a huge void that will leave us really without meaning and without real purpose in our lives. And, and, and uh, an inadequate purpose for living leaves us frustrated. An inadequate purpose for living leaves us frustrated, wondering what's wrong in my life. Why can't I seem to, why can't I seem to get a grasp on things? But it will also leave us pleaseless, and it will also leave us seeking happiness in all the wrong places. We'll be looking for fulfillment in everything but Him. So as we face this new year with 
with our compass in hand? Let's examine our lives. Where have you been? Where are you going? Where are you going? Do you know God wants you to go that way? What kind of goals do we have and what kind of goals should we have? Maybe we need to chart our course and set some new goals based on the values and the priorities of the Word of God. I love it in verse number 16. We see that they acted immediately and they, and they came with haste. So get this, they didn't put it off till tomorrow. They didn't wait. No, no, no. And as a result, the shepherds found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby. Is what it says. And the result of that was, listen, and the result of that was their lives would never be the same. Would never be the same. So what, would, what can we learn from their example? Well, we need that same kind of hunger for spiritual things. For spiritual things. Preacher, I, I just don't seem to have an appetite for those things. You know, you know why? Because you're too full of other things. With a lot of people, they're just too full of self. But we get too full of other things. And in this, uh, in, this, in this information age that we live in, it's pretty easy to get full of all the other things, isn't it? With computers and cell phones and televisions. And, and we get so full of all that that we have no real hunger for the spiritual things. No real desire. You know, at the first part of this year, it may, do, it may do some good to just get completely off of social media for a while. To not catch every news broadcast that comes out. To put more focus, to put more focus on the Word of God and what God has preached, I tell you. But it's just, you know, man, when I'm on my phone, I can just kind of, you know, it's not a big deal, just keep... You know, but in the Bible, I've really got to put forth some effort. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Before you go on with that thought, so, so a little bit of effort on your phone brings you nothing. But you put forth some real effort with this, oh, it's going to bring you more than you could ever dream. So maybe we need to change our priorities, at least for a time. Maybe we need to fast from some things, put aside some things. I mean, no, 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 no. Maybe, maybe. One of the greatest problems that we face today is, is apathy or, or just a spiritual indifference. I mean, I mean, listen to me. When we go to our Bibles, do we go seeking the Lord Jesus in order to have fellowship with Him? Do we go to hear what He's saying to us? 
I'm afraid too often we are simply doing our religious duties. I mean, and if we're not careful, we can be the we can be like the church at Laodicea. I mean, lukewarm because we're satisfied with our material blessings and with our religiosity. I've got a good house. I've got a good car. I've got good clothes. I mean, preacher, I've got help. I'm I'm doing just fine. Too often I feel like it's uh too often I feel like it's churchianity. Is that a word? It is tonight. Tonight is the word. Churchianity. Churchianity versus biblical Christianity. Are y'all still with me here? Churchianity versus biblical Christianity. Preacher, I'm coming to church. Good, you're supposed to come to church. Preacher, I put some money in the offering plate. Hallelujah, bless you, my child. Preacher, I carry my King James Bible. You should. I even read it some. Definitely should. You know, I talk to the Lord when I'm really in need, preacher. Probably ought to talk to Him a little bit more than that, but at least you're doing something. No, no, we, and we get into churchianity. No, we can put on our religious facade when we come to the house of God. But a lot of that is lost once we walk out of this building. Should it be that way? No. No. Because the simple practice of religion is meaningless. I'll say it again, it's meaningless. I, I believe that's why... I, man, man, man. I, I believe we've been taught churchianity, churchianity. Am I saying it right? Well, I don't know. You made up the word. I'm trying to say it right. I believe we've practiced churchianity for way too long. And I believe that's why we've lost a lot of people out of our churches. Because it's, 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 it's keep the rules, keep the rules, keep the rules, do this, do that, do this, do that, without a real, no, no, without a real emphasis on spending time with the Savior. Spending time with God. Because really all the churchianity is not going to mean anything seriously unless we're spending time with Him. The practice of religion is meaningless. In fact, it's an abomination to God. And it just leaves us empty. No, no, how hungry are we? Are, are we just religious? Are we doing our little religious bit for God? Are we, are we playing church to, to soothe a few guilty feelings with a few religious activities? Or do we really want to know the Savior so that, like the shepherds, it can really begin to transform us? Because the closer you get to Him, the more it changes you. Knowing Jesus Christ, seeing and understanding spiritual truth, gives understanding for living. I mean, it renews our mind. It enables us to reevaluate our lives our reasons for living, our values, our goals, our priorities. I mean, the whole works. 
And as we're looking at this new year, I'm just trying to encourage you to take a real good look at your walk with God. And how much you're getting out of it. If anything. We know one thing that they, they, no, no, no. I mean, they went and they saw and then they acted upon it. They acted evangelistically, we know that. Because verse 17 says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They wanted to tell people about it. We see here the principle of cause and effect. One of the immediate results of meeting the Savior was the desire, the compulsion, really, to tell others that Christ had come. And there's nothing more important, listen to me, there's nothing more important in this world that we could share with others. There's nothing more important. Don't keep the good news to yourself. And then we see this. Come on, I'm winding down. We see this, verse number 19 there. It says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So Mary reflected on it and pondered them in her heart. The word, the Greek word that, that, that is translated pondered here is in the present active, it's a present active participle. What does that mean? It means that it's of continuous action. She was pondering these things. Chewing on it. You know, pondering the things of God has to become our practice. Has to become a constant part of our life. Instead of kicking our mind in neutral, maybe we should get in the habit of pondering on the things of God. I mean, we have here the principle of meditating on the things of God. Things that we've read, things that we've studied, things that we've heard, things that we've memorized for better understanding, for application. How does this apply to me? I mean, listen to me. Why do we, why do we learn the Word of God? Why do we even learn it? Why do we want our kids to memorize it? Why, why does the preacher always have to memorize it? Why, why do we even learn the Word of God? Well, we do that so we might be able to better to apply it to our lives. Because God's Word changes lives. Come on, it's not just a song. It's the truth. Biblical meditation is a lost art. People rarely take time to meditate on God's Word anymore. Too many times we... No, 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 please, please, play with me just a few more minutes. Too, too many times we... we, we um, we think about statements like time is money. And so we go, 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 and we do, 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 and then we wonder, now listen, we wonder why we burn out, or we wonder why we're so frustrated, or we wonder why we're so tense, or we wonder why we have high blood pressure. Maybe if we meditated a little bit more upon the Word of God, we'd do better. Maybe our lives would be better. Maybe our families would be better. Maybe everything would be better. We took more time to do that. We know the devil always has a counterfeit. And the day we hear about meditation, not biblical meditation, but we hear about meditation, usually the object of meditation is, that we hear about in the world today is not Scripture. 
You, know, you need to meditate either on your own desires or your wants or just meditate on nothing at all. Just clear your mind out completely. Meditate on anything, not anything at all. Uh, you're supposed to just take your mind out of gear, kick your mind out of gear and put it on nothing and go ahead and, you know, you can chant these supposedly supposedly meaningful words or sounds and, and that's going to allow you to reach out to this universal force that's going to solve all your problems. Oh, That does nothing. That does nothing. Oh no, they say that to solve your problems, they say to develop perfect health, they say to make you rich, all these different things. But let me plainly tell you, that's simply a waste of time. Maybe we need to learn to meditate on the Word of God. Okay, verse 20. Come on, we're there. Verse 20, look at it. It says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So the shepherds were faithful. What do you mean, preacher? Well, they went back to their sheep. They went back to work. But they were changed men. I can guarantee you they were never the same. It was different. You know, it grieves me at times to see... to see. No, stay with me when I make the statement. It grieves me at times to see people get saved. <gasps> Preacher said it grieves him at times to see people get saved. You, you, no, don't kick your mind out before I get to my sentence, okay? It grieves me at times to see people get saved and then three months later they're not acting like they're enjoying it anymore. Or six months later, or a year later, or however long it takes. It grieves me. As a pastor, Brother Terry, it grieves me, truly, because I know that they could continue to have the joy of the Lord if they were practicing true Christianity. I know that they don't have to lose the thrill of being saved by the grace of God. I I remember the tears running down their faces when they trusted Christ as their Savior and they were so happy that God saved their soul, forgave their sin, all these things, and then six months later it's just kind of like... When's he going to be done? It grieves me. I'm not trying to be ugly about it. I'm not. No, no, no. I, it grieves me. Because I know it does not have to be that way with anyone. If our priorities are right, if we're keeping God first, when Christ comes into our life and when we make His Word of priority, it changes us and it really gives us a new capacity in all the areas of our life. No, I'm telling you, somebody gets saved and keeps the Word of God first, keeps God first, it makes for better teachers and ranchers and carpenters and engineers and fathers and mothers and husbands and wives and sons and daughters because it gives us a new purpose in life and it gives us a new capacity to love and care for other people and our jobs even become a place to serve the Lord and to serve others and I'm not talking about just sharing the gospel but doing what we do for the glory of God living our life for the glory of God and showing the love of Christ to others even our job can become a place of ministry if we'll allow it when we put Jesus first in our lives and when we allow Him to rearrange our values the way that, you know, the way that we use our time and, and, and taking time for spiritual things, the Lord will always meet our needs according to what's best. He'll always meet our needs according to what is best. We never ultimately lose when following the Lord 
even if we suffer for righteousness' sake, we never ultimately lose. We know this. These shepherds were common men. They just lived very ordinary lives. Wasn't anything special about them. Yet we have to know that the rest of their lives after this would be filled with the glory of God. I mean, the joy of the Lord in their heart. A glory that would never fade as long as they continued to have fellowship with, the, with this Savior that they had met. And these men probably never saw the person of Christ after He began His ministry 30 years later. There's a good chance they never saw Him. But their lives were never the same. Ever. So let me conclude with this. They went back to their sheep. They went back to their occupations. And undoubtedly, they also went back to their families if they had families. But they went back changed men. They went back changed men. Um, They'd be better at their work. They'd be better husbands, fathers, sons, because they'd be working with a new vision and they'd be working with a new purpose for their life. And there'd be a new song in their hearts and praise on their lips and a whole new way of living after seeing and experiencing what they had. But there'd also be a, there would also be a burden on their hearts and a message on their lips wanting others to know this Savior of theirs. Wanting others to know Him. Man, oh man, you should have seen what we saw. So how about us? as we think about going into 2022. Can people see a difference in our lives because we've been with the Savior? Do we really prepare our hearts for the Word of God so that there can be a proper response when we attend church services? No, are we prepared when we come into the house of God? That we're ready to respond if God does speak to our hearts. Do we get excited about our Lord? Do we get excited about what God has done? About what He wants to do in us? Or has it just become old hat? Routine. This is my routine, you know. Go to church. Come home. Do we talk to one another about Him? Or is the majority of our conversation other things? Are are we determined to meet with our Savior daily? Or do we seem to get turned aside by other things because of wrong priorities? We will do what we purpose to do. Now I'm talking to all of us. We will do what we purpose is most important in our life. We will do it. So as we face this new year, how are we going to respond to the messages of Scripture? What difference 
is it going to make in our lives? And remember this, and I am done. That it takes two to make for a good message. What do you mean, preacher? Well, it takes a message that reaches our heart and has an effect on our life. It's, it's going to... It takes two <laughs> to make for a good message. I'm talking about a message that reaches our heart, something that will affect our lives. It takes two. It takes one, the one that prepares the message and the one that prepares to hear the message. It takes both. So, as we go into this new year, let's examine our lives. Where are we really? Well, let's just be honest with ourselves. Where are we really, really at in our walk with God? Where are we really? Have we become satisfied with less than we should be as a Christian? Where are we? Let's stand. Would you stand with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Now, Lord, we're just going to open up the altar. It's not going to be a show of hands. You know how you've spoken to hearts. I just pray, our prayer is that people would respond. As we look into 2022, look at 2022, help us to be determined for things to be different, to be closer to you, to be more excited about the things of the Lord, to regain that joy that you want us to have. Father, I just pray your will would be done. We'll thank you for whatever whatever you do. For we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.